You're listening to the So You Think You're Intuitive podcast, a podcast to help you reactivate, grow, and trust your intuition so you can live a more empowered and connected life. Join me, Natalie Miles, spiritual mentor and psychic medium, every Wednesday for inspired conversations, guidance, and practical tips on how you can work with your intuition in your everyday life. Because who doesn't want to trust their intuition more? Welcome back to So You Think You're Intuitive. I'm Natalie Miles, spiritual mentor and psychic medium, taking you on this journey to reactivate and trust your intuition. Happy Wednesday. Hope you're having a great week. Ah, the sun is shining in Vancouver as I record this. Spring is here. And yeah, the changing of the seasons, we just forget how our body and our and our mood can be so impacted by the seasons. And the older I get, the more I realize that I am so impacted by the seasons and spring is here in Vancouver and I just feel lighter and yeah, loving the energy that is around. But talking about energy that's around right now, there's just a theme around time and it's like a reminder that's going down, like you have enough time. And during this Deep in the Foundations month, which is the theme of April, for me, during this Deep in the Foundations month, the big takeaway so far is you have all the time. Don't worry about time. Everything happens when it's supposed to happen. You have time. Stop worrying about time. And I keep getting loads of visual markers, things I'm seeing, titles of movies, like quotes I'm seeing, people talking about time. It is everywhere. It's all in my sphere. And so I know that when I'm getting a message from spirit and it's really repetitive and I'm getting, and I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm like, okay, yep. Thank you, spirit. I understand. You're letting me know that there is plenty of time. And I had a human design session with Jenna Zoe and time came up actually as, yeah, it's actually in my human design chart of focusing on time as well. So it was like, okay, cool. And this is coming up in a human design reading. So, so if you're listening to this and you're worrying about time or you think you're running out of time or that you need to do something now because the time is now, like really listen to what feels good in your body and just know that you have time and that nothing is going to miss you. And don't focus on the time so much, just focus on the joy. And I'm really calling myself out on when I'm getting too fixated on the timings of things. If you've been listening to the podcast over the last couple of weeks, I have been talking about my receiving practice and how I've really been shifting my energy from hustling and doing to receiving. And this evening is this month's online circle and the theme is a state of receiving. And it is going to be a reactivation of your receiving energy. And I'm also going to channel messages from spirit 
guidance from spirit all about receiving. The practice that I'm going to share on the circle I have been working with over the last couple of months and I've really noticed a shift in my lifestyle, my life, my work, my career since I have really shifted from doing and hustling to this state of receiving. So if you're looking to receive and bring in a new relationship, a new career, a new job, abundance, wealth, um, love, whatever you're looking to receive, if you want to join for this evening circle, head to the show notes. There's a link. It's at 6.30 p.m. PST. Um, If you can't join live, no worries, because there is going to be a replay that goes out to everyone at the end of the circle. So yeah, head to the show notes and you can grab your spot there. Tickets are $25. So last week on the podcast, I mentioned about sending in your intuitive spirit-based questions via voice memo. I've been reading out your questions for the last month or so, but I was like, oh, it'd be awesome to hear your voices. Ask them. So thank you to everyone who has sent in a voice memo asking a question. And I'm going to answer a couple of them today um, as it's a solo episode. Okay, so let's play the first one. Hello, Natalie. My name is Ivana, and I am currently in Alaska. My question is regarding using pendulums to get answers from our spirit guides. I struggle with um, believing my intuitive answers, and I got a hit to use a pendulum, and now I feel like maybe I rely on it too much and don't trust it. Um, just want to know what you think about the accuracy of these. Thank you. Hi, Ivana. Thank you for sending your question in about pendulums and tools in general. In fact, you've just given me an intuitive hit that I'm going to do a whole episode on tools. Um, and I think it's actually going to come out next week. So tune in next week for a whole episode on tools. But bringing it back to your question about the pendulum, pendulums can be really, really helpful. I have worked with one and I will ask a pendulum a question. For anyone listening who doesn't know what a pendulum is, it is basically, um, you can have it as a crystal or a crystal point and you, um, it basically moves and you can ask it a question, yes or no questions. It has to be yes or no questions, otherwise you won't get an answer. But what you do is you test your pendulum for what is a yes and what is a no before you ask every question because it can change. So I always ask my pendulum before I start, is it a yes or is it a no? And it will move direction so it'll move one way for yes and a different way for no Um, but you have to get very specific with your questions however you can become reliant on this instead of listening to your own intuition instead of listening to what those hell yes hell no things are in your body where you become reliant on the tools versus trusting your own intuition and Regarding accuracy, they can be accurate. However, I will admit that 
I know I can change the outcome of a pendulum if I really put all the energy into moving it in a certain way. So working with a pendulum also needs to come with with surrender and that you are not invested in the outcome of really wanting to receive a yes or really wanting to receive a no because you can impact the movement of the pendulum. So firstly, if you feel called to work with a pendulum, that's awesome. Work with it. When you see yourself becoming a reliant, that you're always going for it when you're feeling stuck or you need an answer, just pause, maybe take a break from it. And the other thing is just go in with surrender and just notice when you're really trying to get an answer from it and that you can mentally move it in one way. I rarely use a pendulum these days because I'm listening to what feels good. Thank you for such a great question on pendulums. And I'm going to be doing a whole episode on tools, spiritual tools next week. The next question is from Chelsea and she sent me an email and I wanted to read it out to you because I really feel that this is going to relate to a lot of people listening. So she wrote, I recently went on a road trip and downloaded several episodes of your podcast to prime me for a workshop on creating space and healthy boundaries for those with empathy and intuition. That sounds like a cool workshop. As I was driving and listening to the podcast, I could feel a vibrating sensation in my hands, ringing in my ears and a sense of pressure in my forehead. I had lots of thoughts and feelings flood through me as I listened to the different sessions and felt compelled to write. When I got to my destination, I tried to rehydrate and relax before the first class. I expected the feeling to dissipate, but five hours later, the feelings were still there. I journaled to get the insights I had during the drive out on paper. I expected the sensations to subside so I could sleep, but it was a struggle to calm down. Is it possible that these sensations were related to a reactivation? Is that what people mean by vibrating higher? I'm curious. Chelsea, thank you for your email. Yes, these are definite sensations related to a reactivation. As you were listening, you were calling in your guides, you were working with spirit and really having a and having a reactivation moment that then did feel like you were vibrating higher and it can feel like suddenly you get tingles and it does feel like your whole body is vibrating and open and that's why you wanted to write and you wanted to channel and you wanted to you know you were getting all of these downloads and it was something like oh I'm having this reactivation and I need to process this out and I need to write it when we experience these reactivation symptoms and um, we want to turn them off because it can be overwhelming and it's like okay enough of this feeling can we turn this off please the ways that you can do that, I mean, sometimes you just kind of have to ride it out. But a lot of the time you can, one, ask your guides, ask them to step forward and say, okay, enough of this. The second thing I do when I get really tingly hands, I will wash my hands, actually. I will um, run them under a cold tap and I will wash them and that will change it. And actually, before I wash the, my hands under the tap, I will earth them. So I will put them onto the earth first to ground the energy in and then I will wash my hands. I find that that really helps get rid of some of the tingles and some of the sensations. And then also um, jumping into a salt bath as well will also really help. 
But yes, Chelsea, those sensations of vibrating in the hands, ringing the ears, sense of pressure on the forehead were all reactivation symptoms. And now we have a question from Stephanie. Hi, Natalie. My name is Stephanie. I love your show. I just moved to Virginia. I have two little kids and um, I have been on a pretty long journey to sort of uncondition who I thought I was and tap more into my intuition. And I was just about to open up a Reiki practice and I feel like it all left me, like all the gifts, everything that I was picking up on and the energy power that I had in me, I just feel like I woke up and it's all gone. Everything's gone. I'm just wondering um, what I can do to get it back. Is that common? And I'm just left sort of, I don't know, is it testing my faith? I, I have so many questions, but basically, what do we do when our gifts leave us? What do we do when our gifts leave us? Stephanie, first of all, your gifts haven't gone anywhere. Sometimes when we're feeling stressed, we're feeling overwhelmed, or we're feeling the pressure that we need to perform with our gifts, it can suddenly feel like they're not there and that the power within us isn't there anymore. Have I experienced this where it's only like, where's it gone? Like, I can't connect. Yes, I have definitely had that myself. And what I took from it was that I needed to rest, I needed to recharge, I needed to look at the external pressures that were going on in my life that were making me believe that I wasn't in my own power and I wasn't in my own worth and I was putting too much pressure on my gifts. So my guidance for this is take some time out, go and do something else and then come back to opening up that Reiki practice or connecting to your intuition when it feels good, when it feels right. Because sometimes it's not going to be on demand when you want it. Sometimes it won't be there. And sometimes you just have to go, okay, I'm, it's here, it's in me, but I just need to step back and reflect on it. But Stephanie, your gifts haven't left you. You're just being asked to pause and reflect and take that moment for the rest of the next part of the journey to unfold. You're on this beautiful journey right now and there's a time pressure, bringing it back to time. There's a time pressure that, of wanting things now, I'm being told and I'm being asked to, asked to channel to you. And they're saying the gifts are there, just let them unfold naturally. You will have the abundance using your gifts, so please just trust. If you have a spiritual or intuitive-based question that you would like asked on the podcast, please send your voice memo to podcast at natalie-miles.com. There'll be a link to this also in the show notes. Yeah, I would love to hear from you with your spiritual intuitive-based questions. Please make sure that you say your name and where you're from and please keep them as short as possible. And I won't be answering personal questions, so make sure that they are general, intuitive, spiritual-based questions. So I've had a lot of people asking me to share my journey in full on the podcast. I've shared it in parts in other podcasts. I've shared a bit of it in 
episodes at the beginning of this podcast, like the reactivation episode and the removing your blocks episode. But I haven't done an episode where I'm just talking about the journey. Like I've been getting messages like, have you been intuitive all the time, Nat? Like, what's the journey? Like, how are you doing this now? Like, so I decided that I would do an episode of it on my journey. And as I am pivoting and shifting in my own business, it felt really aligned to share the journey so far because it's definitely been a journey. So here goes. I grew up um, just outside of London, 50 miles west of London in a place called Reading. In fact, I lived in a little village outside of um, Reading. And I must preface this story that I acknowledge my own white privilege and that I came from a, a privileged family and I was given lots of amazing opportunities because of that. And I just wanted to preface that. So I grew up in a little village, my mum, my dad, my sister and I I was a pretty bold and brash child. I would say what I thought. I was pretty full on. In fact, my mum used to say that they used to give me to friends. And, you know, I was like a really good contraceptive device for some of their family friends and be like, just be careful. She's pretty full on. So, <laughs> yes. I was pretty bold and brash and I definitely used to share my opinions. In fact, if my mum and dad were having dinner parties and having friends over, I would, if they woke me up, I would walk down the stairs and I remember putting my hands on my hips and being like, can you be quiet? I'm trying to sleep. And they would all be like, who is this six, seven-year-old telling the grown-ups to be quiet because she needs to sleep. Yes, that was that was me. But my spirit guide um, appeared to me at the end of my bed, aged five. And she said, hey, Nat, I'm here to guide you. I'm here to protect you. I'm here to look after you. And I remember, I remember her appearing and me thinking hang on a second who is this real like is this an apparition is this a ghost because I could see her in human form it was like she was there in my bedroom at the end of my bed and looking back when I was growing up and I was feeling uncertain or I was feeling worried or I was feeling scared I would call her in and she, I, I know she would be there my mum's psychic, my sister is psychic, but I do share that it was definitely not like a Harry Potter upbringing. It wasn't as if we were talking about, you know, magic and spirit guides and intuition and the other side. It really wasn't like that. It was just something kind of, it was just something that played in the background. And I used to have crazy dreams as a child where I would lucid dream. I would have repetitive and recurring dreams and flying dreams. And I used to really be able to recall my dreams. And when I used to share them with people, people used to think I was kind of weird and 
and crazy for sharing my dreams. I remember being at school and saying like, oh yeah, I had this dream where I was like Mercury and I was being, I was really small and I was flowing through things and it was like being broken down into like a cell DNA level. And I felt like I was like really small, but part of the universe as well in this like really big way. And I remember people being like, what is going on? But growing up as a kid, I used to love singing. I loved dancing. And I loved connecting to my body. It was how I channeled my energy um, through sport, through movement. And it was really important for me. And as I got older and I kind of stepped away from moving my body in, you know, in my 20s and into my early 30s, I really noticed the difference. And knowing that as a kid, you know, that was how I channeled spirit, how I connected to my intuition was through moving my body. School was pretty uneventful for me. I enjoyed learning. I enjoyed knowledge. I loved history. I loved history. I wanted to be an archaeologist at one point. I loved everything, Egyptians, Mayans. The thing that stopped me from being an archaeologist was I remember doing a week's work experience at an archaeologist in Reading in the UK and it was I basically spent all week cataloging rocks like cataloging these rocks and weighing them and describing what the rocks looked like that they'd found from some dig and I was like hmm okay yeah this isn't what I expect archaeology to be like and there and then off the back of that week I was like nope archaeology isn't for me but the fascination with history and old cultures and old civilizations definitely is connected to the work I'm doing now and past lives and needing to know what all about past civilizations. There is one spirit-based moment at school that does stick in my mind though. We were in a classroom. I went to um, an all-girls school there were no boys and we were in a classroom and someone said hey let's do a Ouija board it was a lunch break in the middle of the day and we made a Ouija board ripping up bits of paper out of and someone pulled a notebook out and scribbled um, all the letters and and we pushed all the desks like desks together and there must have been about 10 people doing this week yeah, I guess it was about 10 people doing this Ouija board. And we started and there was this like excitement and fear with everyone. And I remember that we, it started to move, like it started to move, our hands started to move and it started to spell out things and people started to ask questions and it actually started to move really quickly and it was giving messages. And this one girl turned to look at me and she said, stop making it move. And she called me out and she, I, it freaked her out. And I remember she was blaming it on me for it moving. And I was like, it's not me. It's not me. I'm not pushing it. I'm not pushing it. And that really did have an impact because it was like, oh, this, this is real. Like connecting to spirits is real and it's possible. Um, but I always remember that she blamed me for it moving. In our family, it wasn't until 
we got a puppy. We got a puppy called Billy. And Billy was just this special spirit dog who was brought into our family. And he was like a human. He really was. He was a Springer Spaniel, a brown liver Springer Spaniel. And he had such a character. He was absolutely hilarious. Um, He would sing happy birthday. He was obsessed with presents. Like at Christmas, mum used to have to hide the presents um, somewhere else because he, he'd, she'd have to keep moving them because he'd know where they were and he would sit in a cupboard or outside the room that they were in. And we, he had to have presents while we were opening our Christmas presents because otherwise he would try and open our presents for us. But he was really happy when he had something to open for him. And But he would also get really upset if you didn't have a present for him to unwrap. So we would wrap up biscuits or wrap up squeaky toys. Yeah. But anyway, enough of me describing my um, childhood dog. But he really reactivated our intuition and working with spirit in our family. He had a special energy to him. Um, He actually got an injury as a puppy. Um, I used to row a lot. I was a rower. I used to, at one point I was training twice a day, six days a week. Again, bringing it back to body. I loved moving my body and connecting with my body. And that's really gave me grounding and clarity as a kid growing up. I needed the energy to go somewhere. And for me, that came out in sport. So I was rowing and with a dream of going to the Olympics, I I love the Olympics. Anything to do with the Olympics, the Olympics makes me cry if it's on TV. Just watching people have that success, that sporting success of pushing their bodies and the sacrifices that they have made, that also just brings me and moves me to tears. But Billy, basically, he was at a a race and he injured his leg and it got caught. He was basically knocked over by a coach on a bike along the towpath watching the people race. And he got clipped by a bike and he hurt his leg and he had to have broke his leg and he had to have some operations. But what that meant was, was that it reactivated um, my mum doing Reiki on the dog. And so, and then the Reiki turned into her going to circles, um, psychic circles in the UK, which then led to her asking me and saying, hey, Nat, you should come to a circle. And I was about 16, 17. And I started my, it was the first time I ever gave messages to anyone was at the psychic circles, age 16, 17. And I was so nervous, so nervous being there. And it was the first time I really felt like spirit flowing through my body. And I remember coming out of this, the first ever circle and saying to mom, whoa, I felt like I was a rock. Like I was really strong and I had really firm foundations, but I felt really light and tingly at the same time. And I remember saying, oh, it was such an opposite, that feeling of being really grounded but feeling really floaty and I felt like my hands were raising up like my I knew my hands were on my legs but during the the meditation and during the practice of sharing messages I felt like my hands were like in the air and I gave a message the first ever message I gave to someone was I kept seeing cake all around this woman like cupcakes and cake all around her and I said to her 
all I can see is cupcakes and cakes around you. And she smiled and she said, yeah, that's what I do. She said, I'm, I'm a, I make cakes. That's, that's my passion. That's my love. That's how I, I make money on the side is by making cakes. And I was like, whoa. And just being able to give that first ever message was really, really exhilarating. And these circles really brought me back to who I was. But did I tell anyone that I went to psychic circles? Did I tell any, any of my friends that I went? Oh my God, no. That was kept really, really secretive. I didn't want people to think I was weird or strange. And I didn't think that any of my friends would be interested. So I kept that a secret. In fact, I kept that a secret all the way through my 20s. But as I moved into my 20s and I went to university um, where I studied drama, actually, I studied to, I studied drama. It was funny. And during my drama degree, it was like, nah, I'm, I'm not supposed to be acting like this doesn't feel right. The acting doesn't feel right. But I was still rowing. I was still rowing. I rowed from the age of 13 to my early 20s, still pursuing a dream of potentially, can I make it to the Olympics? Can I make it to this point? So after university, I actually moved down to, moved to Wales. I moved to Cardiff and was training, yeah, twice a day, six days a week. I got a part-time job doing admin work because I was just following the dream of what lit me up. And that was something that was instilled with me then. I was very much like, I'm going to follow what lights me up. I'm not going to pursue things that don't feel good. But it was at this time that I realized that I didn't have what it took to get to the Olympics. So I, at this point, I'd also moved to London for the first time. And I was training up in London as well. And I was like, maybe I'm um, aiming for the Commonwealth Games. But at this point, it was like, okay, this doesn't light me up anymore. Why am I not, I'm not, why am I doing this? And so I went traveling. And I took some time out and I went traveling, which was amazing. I went to Nepal and I got to track to Everest Base Camp, um, which was amazing being up in the mountains. It was, Nepal is such a stunning place. I highly recommend going to Nepal if you can. I really love the people and the place. Um, and being up in the mountains was really, really special. I then ended up in Australia working on dive boats, cooking food, and doing three-day, two-night liverboard trips, which was so much fun. I loved it. And I nearly ended up living in Australia. I got offered my sponsorship to stay in Australia, but the universe had other plans because I'd said that I was going to do that. And then I fell ill and ended up in hospital three weeks with a really bad inflamed gallbladder, um, which then led to me coming home to the UK and having my gallbladder removed, which then led me to work in film. And during my 20s, I... I wasn't doing anything intuitive based. I worked in film. I was growing my career. I was pursuing a long-term relationship. And yeah, I worked in film, producing brand films, commercials, sports-based films. I was still in the sports world, working with films for the Olympics, making bid films for um, the Olympics. So the sport theme still carried on into my work because it really lit me up. But working in film, it always felt like something was missing, that it wasn't the purpose, that it wasn't the mission of what I was 
here to do. And emotionally and having success came really pretty easy um, to me. And I was really lucky for that. But it was during my Saturn return at the end of my 20s that things really started to shift for me. And it was like the pebbles and the rocks and the boulders of the things I wasn't listening to really started to come in. I kept getting flooded in apartments. I got mugged. I had the ending of this five-year relationship, but the, you know, we broke up like two or three times within this five-year relationship, but we kept getting back together. I kept fighting for it um, and it kept coming back around. The final time it came back around during my Saturn return was at the time when my parents were getting divorced when I was like 20, yeah, 28, 29. Um, so yeah, they'd been together 30 plus years of marriage. So that was I looking back, we I was in my long-term relationship to help me process this breakup because he came from a family with divorced parents too. So he understood and he got it. And that was the purpose of us getting back together. But when we broke up, yeah, a couple of months before my 30th birthday, I was really at rock bottom. I was unhappy in work. I felt lost. I felt like, what am I doing? I What do I have? Like friends were getting married, having children, buying houses. And I was like, I don't feel like I'm anywhere near that. Like how, what do I do? I was, I was feeling great. I'm in my early thirties and I'm living with my mom. What am I doing? This isn't what I expected. Again, back to the time thing and thinking, Oh, at age 30, I had really big dreams and big visions for myself. And this isn't, is this ever going to happen? And it was really interesting because my mom put it into a great perspective. And she said, Nat, see this time as an absolute blessing because you have the freedom to go and do whatever you want to do. It's a clean slate. It's a blank canvas. What, what do you want? What lights you up? Because it's an amazing opportunity to not be in a relationship, to not be tied into a house with mortgage payments, that you are work, you, that you're a freelance worker and you're not tied into any job and can go and do whatever you want to do. And she made me really see it as this opportune time to be like, okay, what do I truly desire? What really, really lights me up? And in 2010, before I broke up with my long-term partner in 2012, we had visited Vancouver. We'd visited Vancouver during the Olympics. Again, notice the Olympic sport-based theme in my life. And we visited Vancouver during the Olympics. And I just fell in love with the city and just said, one day I'm going to live here. We went back to the UK and spoke about it. We were like, how can we make this work? And my partner, he was like, no, I don't want to leave my friends and I don't want to leave my family. And so it became off the table. And I was like, okay, cool. And we just carried on doing our thing. But when we broke up, instantly I was like, oh, I want to move to Vancouver. Let's make this happen. So I ended up taking a life punt and moving to Vancouver. At that point, I had 
really no friends. I had a friend, my friend Marie in London, her family actually lived out in Vancouver. So I stayed with them for the first month whilst I was here, which was an amazing transition. But it was, it was a real life punt. I packed two suitcases and said, you know what, I'm going to give it four months and let's see what happens. And within that time, I really reached my rock bottom. I felt like I was away from friends. I was away from my family. I was away away from all of my structures that had kept me safe. But at this time, it made me look at what was important and who I and who was I. So I decided that I was going to go for a reading with a psychic. Um, a friend of mine that I had met recommended someone, and I went to go and see her. And she gave me messages, and she said, "Nat, you're really psychic." you should probably develop these gifts a bit more. And it kind of took me by surprise. I was like, oh, okay. And she said, yeah, I think you should really do some psychic development classes. And I then got this, I remember this voice in my head that said, you should ask her where to go. And so I said, great, where should I, where should I do these? And she recommended someone in Vancouver to go and do psychic development classes with. So I decided that I was going to go and have a reading with the person who she'd recommended, who then ended up being a mentor of mine. And I attended group psychic development classes with her, which were amazing and really put me back onto my path of working with spirit, listening to my intuition, channeling, growing my abilities and really realizing who I was and what I was about. And during this time, I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, I found who I am and I felt really whole and really complete. And I looked forward to those classes every week. Did I keep them secret from people? Yes. Did I tell work colleagues where I was going? No, I just used to say I was going to meditation classes. I did not want them to know what I was doing. I kept it so secret, so secret. I didn't want them to think I was weird. I, you know, just the title psychic development classes. It was like, I did not want to be labeled as a psychic. I was running away from it. But at the time, oh, it lit me up so much. One of the sessions that I had with her, she said, you do know you're going to be doing this full time, right? And I laughed. I didn't believe her. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I was still working in film. I'd moved to Vancouver. Vancouver's got an amazing film industry here. So I was still working in film. But working in film still wasn't lighting me up. I'd moved countries. I was in a new production company and it was the same stuff. I was like, hmm, this does not feel right inside. Something is missing. I was getting more opportunities. Nat, do you want to direct? Do you want to do this? And I was shutting down. And I'm not good when I'm not being lit up and I'm shutting down. And one day on a Friday afternoon, I was basically let go from the film job. I got my permanent residency here, which was amazing. That is another story in itself. It was all so spirit aligned with the timing of getting my permanent residency. For some people, it takes years and years to get the residency, but it all lined up that I basically went from a working holiday visa to my permanent residency in less than 18 months, which is unheard of and was so 
spiritually, <laughs> spirit aligned that it all just aligned up and it all happened really quickly. So I got my permanent residency. But yeah, then I let, got let go from the job and they said, Nat, it is so obvious that you're not happy. You're not happy. So they let me go. And I was angry. I was so mad. I was like, why is this happening? I don't understand. What am I supposed to do? The irony being that three months before that, I had started to create a brand. I'd started to create my branding for the psychic business already, but I was scared about making, taking the leap of faith. And so I wasn't listening to the messages. I wasn't listening to the signs and spirit basically threw in a massive life boulder and was like, right, you're going to lose your job and you know we're going to force you to look at this. Was it scary? Yes. Did I feel out of control? Yes. But did I know that it was all going to be okay and everything was, you know, that was going to be fine? A hundred percent. And it was working with spirit and intuition that really guided me to stay strong during this time. For the next seven months, I was, I started to do readings for people. I started to do paid readings for people, but I was also working in film at the same time. Um, working in film is crazy long hours. It can be 15 to 18 hours a day. It's exhausting. And so there was no balance. I was trying to do readings and the film work and the film work was taking over. And then one day circumstance made it that I had to make a choice. Do I want to work in film or do I want to take the leap of faith and stop doing film and let's do the intuition based business. Let's do the readings. And let's take the leap of faith and make it happen. And so I decided no more film work and I took the leap of faith and started really small. I was doing four or maybe four or five readings a week. I was working off my kitchen table. In fact, it's only been till this year, in fact, two months ago that I have my own desk and I'm not working off my kitchen table. I started doing readings out of my small bachelor apartment in Vancouver. I was temping as well at the same time, you know, so I was sat doing reception jobs, trying to make ends meet, balancing, trying to get more readings and more visibility, finding clients whilst trying to pay the bills. So yeah, there were two of us living in a 550 square foot apartment, bachelor apartment, with me and Daryl and doing readings in person out of my studio. Yeah, it was an interesting time to see how things have grown and changed to where they are now. But I knew that this was important. I knew that I had to keep going and listen to those intuitive pings of, no, this is it. This feels really good. Just keep going. And I was putting small events on. I was doing in-person circles in Vancouver. And Mm, the business grew through word of mouth. It was all word of mouth orientated and things have just really grown and taken off over the last two and a bit years. And it has been an amazing journey. But what I'm trying to say with this journey is follow what lights you up. That's one thing. If I look back, even as a kid, I just followed what lit me up and I moved from you know doing the drama that was that's what lit me up and the rowing and that's what lit me up and then moving into film and did that for a while like and well for a while I did it for 10 years but I always just knew that 
I just followed the breadcrumbs. And now, when I look at the work that I'm doing now, it's a culmination of all the things I've ever done. The the stage work from doing acting and dancing and singing on stage and knowing how to hold an audience and work with my voice and be on a stage is connected to me doing live events and stage events and there's going to be a lot more of that coming forward. The production element of me working with brands and films has meant that I've managed to create a brand connected to my business and all of the experience that I've had in the past has brought me to this moment. And when I was lost in the wilderness and I didn't know where I was going and I didn't know what lights me up, it now looking back, it all makes sense. The ending of relationships, even the divorce of my parents, that set us all free for us to go and do what we really needed to do, you know, in this lifetime and not being tied into the family dynamic where we felt like we couldn't be our authentic selves. It's really, really powerful. So if you're unsure of where you're going right now, follow what lights you up. Just keep following the breadcrumbs and know that it will all make sense and bringing it back to time. It all happens at the right time. This whole journey happens at the right time. And it's about surrendering it up and being in the flow and knowing that you're exactly where you're meant to be, even if it feels painful and dark and emotional and it feels uncertain and you don't know what's going on. And I'm just being told to say 2012, and I mentioned this in the What Is Your Spiritual Reactivation? I had my my spiritual reactivation massively in 2012, hugely in 2012, which was the, in the middle of my Saturn return, at the end of my five-year relationship, also a year of the, the Olympics came to London and I got to see, go to the Olympics in person in London, in my home country. It was, again, Olympic theme, Olympic connection. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just go and have a think, go and reflect back on 2012 because 2012 was a really big shift for us as a consciousness and a global collective and the next one of those that's coming up is 2020 2020 has the same energy shift that 2012 had so 2019 this year is a really year of new foundations and building for us to move into 2020 which is why I feel like right now I'm changing my business and I'm changing the structure of things and following what lights me up because we are building to this new energy that is going to come through in 2020. But working with my intuitive gifts is a daily practice. I'm always growing, I'm always learning and evolving and trusting and trying to make sense of it all. And I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. It has been such a guidance and such a blessing. And I love this work. I it feels like me. I won't wouldn't even call it work because it just feels like the passion that I have for it and my sole purpose of I'm I'm here to share everything intuition. I'm here to share everything intuition and spirit and channel messages and guidance and it makes me really happy. But thank you for supporting me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for all of your support and this community because it wouldn't be happening without you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode, sharing 
some of the journey. Um, there are going to be some more episodes on living with your intuition and I'm going to delve deeper into relationships and body and money and healing money story and there's going to be some more podcasts coming up on ancestors and healing your ancestor story and what that looks like too. If you have enjoyed this episode of the podcast please rate and review or share with a friend or family member that you feel would benefit from listening to this episode of the podcast. Also, don't forget if you want to join tonight's Estate of Receiving Circle, head to the show notes so that you can purchase your ticket and join us. There's also a guided meditation that goes with this week's episode. It is a Trust the Journey guided meditation. Trust the Journey. It felt very in line to record this as a guided meditation to go with this episode. So if you are on a new journey right now or you're feeling like you need some guidance on the journey that you're on, have a listen to this guided meditation. There's a link in the show notes for you to access it. Thank you for listening. Keep trusting the journey you're on the right path you are on the right track and everything will happen time-wise when it's supposed to thanks for listening